Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, Strong Runner Chicks. Want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Knock Nutrition. Knock Bar is made by athletes for athletes with a ratio of four to one carbs to protein for long lasting energy, no GI discomfort, seven plus grams of complete sustainable protein, and even some electrolytes over 180 milligrams to help avoid cramping, as well as non-GMO, all natural ingredients. I would say that their bars are smooth and gel like a brownie, pretty tasty. So if you want to try Knock Bar, you can enter code STRONGRUNNERCHICKS for 15% off, and that is knockbar.com. So head on over there, check it out, and be sure to grab a box of Knock Bars. Delicious and nutritious. Hello, hello. If you're hearing this episode, it is before my 50K that I'm about to run tomorrow. I'm recording this on a Friday before the weekend. You're probably hearing this uh, Monday, Tuesday, or sometime when this episode is published. So probably sounding like I'm pretty stoked about this 50K. We'll see how it goes. It's been a while. Pretty excited. And uh, yeah, Anyway, I don't know how, um, how has everyone else been? I'd love to know, you know, reach out to us and tell us where are you in your racing journey? Are you back to racing? Um, are you anticipating, you know, racing anytime soon? Of course, Clifton the dog in the background. Sorry about that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read our guests, um, Carolyn. And funny enough, Carolyn and I are both running 50Ks tomorrow. I think she's doing hers with her dad somewhat. I'm like, wow, my dad, he runs 5Ks, 10Ks maybe, but not 50Ks. So pretty incredible. Um, It's going to be a great experience. I'm sure I'm excited for her as well. And I believe it's her first one. So she shares more about that in this episode. We recorded a few weeks back. Um, it was great to chat with Carolyn. We're both part of the Chosky running community, as I'll reference here. I'm actually a coach with Chosky as well. So really, really love the community, everything they have to offer. Um, in addition to being a registered dietitian with Chosky, Carolyn's also a running coach. Um, she's a certified strength and conditioning specialist as well. Um, so she does work with some athletes on, you know, performance beyond just beyond our plates, right? But there's so much that goes into fueling, making sure we're getting enough. And we talk a lot about that in this episode. Um, anything else I wanted to share? Yes. I wanted to read Carolyn's, uh, lengthy bio here. So you do get a, a chance to, uh, learn more about her. And, uh, so she's a registered dietitian, as I just said, CSCS certified strength and conditioning specialist, and she holds a master's degree in exercise science, 
and strength and conditioning. Oh my goodness. So Carolyn's a wealth of knowledge, essentially. Uh, Carolyn teaches nutrition at University of Massachusetts Amherst, and she also has her own nutrition consulting business, Carolyn Stalker Performance, LLC. She's also a nutritionist and coach for Chosky Endurance Collective, as I mentioned. Uh, I could just read her bio from heart, but Carolyn grew up in Western Massachusetts, and although she was an avid soccer player, started running when she was just five years old. At University of Maine, Carolyn raced the 5K and 10K and is on the top 10 all-time list for those events in both indoor and outdoor track. Outside of collegiate running, she holds the junior record at the Mount Washington Road Race in Gorham, New Hampshire, and she's also a member of the United States Snowshoe Team, which is awesome. We just interviewed um, Sarah Canny, founder of Rise Run Retreat, who's also uh, a big snowshoer. Very cool. Uh, now Carolyn loves to explore trails, mountains, and the outdoors while continuing to run for the pure joy of it. Some of her favorite things include coffee, craft beer, reading, cows, and authentic food like Thai, Vietnamese, and Mexican for her top three. So enjoy this episode with Carolyn. Be sure to reach out. And um, if you do join the Chosky Endurance Collective, myself or Carolyn would love to have you, would love to chat with you about coaching. In addition, um, she just hosted a women's masterclass this week on fueling. So um, be sure to check that one out. You can also join the Chosky community even without a coach. So if you already have have a coach or the support of a team, you're able to join and get all these other benefits like strength training and uh, classes. So be sure to check it out on uh, chosky.run instead of chosky.com, just chosky.run. And uh, thanks again. Enjoy this one with Carolyn. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome back to another episode of SRC Radio. Today it's Megan, and I have on Carolyn Stalker with me from Chosky Endurance. Carolyn, I was so happy your name is easy to pronounce. Uh, sometimes that definitely gets me at the beginning. So uh, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you, uh, fellow Massachusetts. Massachusetts Massachusetts uh, native. I don't, I don't know if you're from Massachusetts, but I uh, was born there. So really excited to get to know you. And I know you have some overlap with Kelsey, who's our co-host. And so uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. I know sometimes I get Carolyn Stoker. So pronounce it. <laughs> you know, yeah, right names on. are always fun, right? <laughs> so I'm glad I got that right. Um, so in terms of running, I'd love to know your journey, how you first got started in running and also in performance and sports nutrition, if there's any overlap. Yeah, so I've pretty much been an athlete my whole life. I tried a lot of different sports, didn't last long in many, um, but found my love for soccer very, very young. Like most runners, they start in soccer and then they find track and cross country. So I played soccer pretty much four seasons, summer, fall, winter, and spring through till my sophomore year of high school where I discovered track and my sister ran cross country in high school. She's four years older than me. And through soccer, of course, you run a lot in soccer. I would do like weekly kids races with my brother and sister and my mom and dad were runners also. And of course those, we were just run two and a half miles for the junk food at the end, which was the prizes. <laughs> and so then in high school, when I finally was like, okay, I'll switch to cross country. I'll give it a shot. It's in the family. My sister was very good. And then I started to get 
really, really competitive and really, really strong at running. And so sophomore to junior year is when I finally was like, you know, I'm going to invest time, energy, and set some goals for cross country, for track. So my junior and senior year of high school, ran track cross country, was very fortunate to get a full ride to run at the University of Maine up in Orono, track and cross country. Um, and in on top of track and cross country, I also am a snowshoer. So I run in snowshoes. That's how I get through my winter months. Cross country skiing was never for me. So I got into snowshoeing and love my mountains, love my trails. So now I'm pretty much 99.9% a trail runner. I sometimes will run on roads when I have to. Um, but even through the winter, strap on those snowshoes, those spikes, and running through the trails. Nice. It's so funny. We just interviewed a snowshoer. I did a Sarah Canny with oh. Rise Run Retreat, and she's up in your area, I think, too, that neck of the woods. So yeah, I wonder if you two have you crossed paths at all in snowshoe championships. Maybe I haven't, we haven't had good winter, so I haven't snowshoe raced in quite a long time, but we probably have. Yeah. Some very point. neat. I'm surprised it's not a bigger thing out West. Maybe I'm just out of the loop, but I know skiing super big out here, but I don't see a lot of snowshoe races. I'd be curious to, to see what those are all about. It sounds really fun. Yeah. It's great community. It's like yeah. the trail running community. Yeah. It's, it's growing. Well, I wish it was growing bigger. Like I would love for it to be an Olympic sport, but it's not. Oh quite. yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day on Maybe. our way. Yeah. So, um, where did you grow up? Were you did you say a mass or how did you decide on University of Maine? Yeah, so I grew up born and raised Western Massachusetts. Now I live closer to the Boston area. My parents are still in Western Mass. Uh, my sister ran for UMass Amherst, and so that was just a little too close to home. So I wanted something far enough away, but close enough for me to go home on a weekend or my parents to come up and visit. And I immediately fell in love with Maine, the team, the coach, the um, nutrition program there. So I knew right away it was for me. Good to hear. Yeah, I think I've been up to Maine. I was probably two years old, so can't remember it. But here it's a beautiful place. I got to go back. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it sounds natural to me, like trail running in the beautiful Northeast, but I know for a lot of people, you know, maybe living in Boston or living in a big city, that's not always super feasible. So I'm curious how you, how you first got into trails and started discovering them, whether it was in your backyard or whether you drove a few hours and, you know, maybe some tips for any newbies to trail. Yeah. So I, in Western Mass, where I went grew up, there are trails everywhere. So I was, I only had to drive like five minutes to a trailhead, which is a place I still run to this day with my dad. Um, and Boston, there's a ton of trails in Boston too. So driving 15, 20 minutes, I'll hit a trailhead. So I'm very, very spoiled in that I can just drive somewhere and there's a trail within 15 to 20 minutes. Um, but I I think there are hidden gems too of trails and even like starting on golf courses, just getting those softer surfaces. It's not trail, but um, it takes you away from the roads a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know I lived in um, near Houston, Texas for about six years and there were very few trails there. I mean, there there were some, but I think in my town, like the longest trail was maybe three miles and that was, that was the go-to trail. And then there were golf courses. So golf courses and ditches. So you can always yeah. get creative, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, very cool. How is your overall collegiate experience? I know we have a lot of collegiate running runners uh, that listen, or maybe even runners that are going to college and, you know, trying to discover um, the whole world of D1 athletics? Yeah, I'd say the decision to run Division One was, it was something I just knew I wanted to do. I loved running and I wanted to continue at that level. But I, I'm not sure if it was the coach at Maine or another coach that told me looking at colleges as if you had a broken leg or you could never run again. I heard that so, too. Yeah, I don't know changing. who told yeah. me that, but it really stuck with me. So I was looking at programs from the full picture of, okay, if I could not run here, would I still be happy? And I think that's huge. Like you are a student athlete, you're a student first and then an athlete. So thinking of what you're going to be after college, because I knew I probably wasn't going to continue a full career in running because uh, I pursued academics pretty heavily. Yeah. So very neat. Thanks for sharing that. I like the little words of wisdom. You can never hear that enough. So yes. it's helpful. Um, so nutrition, I love to know how you got into nutrition and decided to become an RD. And I probably have said this on a show before that I originally was down the RD track and decided I was not going to do clinical rotations and OCHEM just about killed me. So I have a lot of respect for those that fully pursue the RD route. So I'd love to know from the start how you um, got interested in nutrition and decided to pursue that track. You know, it's so hard for me to think of like that first aha moment of, okay, I want to be a dietitian. I want to study nutrition. But I would say as soon as I started getting competitive in running, I realized, okay, fuel is important and eating well and eating enough is important. So I think that's where I was like, you know, nutrition, like this is important, not just as a human being, but as an athlete. And I knew I wanted to help people. So it was kind of like nursing, med school or pre-med, PT. So again, I can't really pinpoint of like how I decided to major in nutrition for at Maine, but I did. And through that process, I had a lot of experiences in like the community nutrition aspect and was part of a research with cooking and uh, like the wellness measures at UMaine. And in order to become a dietitian, you have to go through a lot of science classes, which is a surprise. It's not just cooking and eating, um, but you have to go through 1200 hours of supervised practice, which I did at UMass Amherst. So came back home to Western Mass and that is everything. So clinical in the hospital, uh, community, which is like with women, infant, children, WIC or uh, food banks, grocery stores, things like that. There's a food service rotation, which I did at my high school, which was kind of interesting and fun. But through that experience, I realized what I didn't want to do. And it was working with the general public. And I had... 
I never met with a dietitian before. I had a strength coach in college who would do some nutrition. So didn't really realize what a performance dietitian, sports nutritionist really did other than work with athletes. And I knew I needed that motivated individual. The amount of diabetes education I gave to just blanket faces or deer in the headlight looks <laughs> oh, yeah. was just really frustrating. And I was like, I want you to change your life so you can live. But it just, the motivation to change wasn't there. Whereas athletes, I saw that just um, helping my teammates at, in college since I was a nutrition major and then through grad school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many unique challenges I think that athletes come with, right? Like just a different outlook. And it, I mean, they may be highly motivated, but sometimes it goes too far, right? One way of like becoming totally, um, you know, just all about nutrition and nothing else or, or maybe missing the mark and not feeling enough. So I'd love to know like a few of the maybe like the key fundamentals, if you had to kind of break it down for runners that you've learned or maybe your philosophy around nutrition, uh, sports nutrition specifically for distance runners. Yeah, I, a lot of my background is actually not in runners. It's in, I was at Springfield College where I pursued my master's in exercise science. I worked with athletes of all level, but runners are a different breed because they know a lot about nutrition, I would say, versus other types of athletes. So it's bringing it back and emphasizing the difference between eating for health, but fueling for performance. And it's that conversation of, yeah, we need to fuel when we're hungry, feel stopped when we're full, but we also have to feel maybe when we're not hungry and maybe when we are full because we need that energy. Um, and also tapping into that post-workout, pre-workout nutrition, I would say that's the common thing I see missing in athletes fuel is the pre and post. And I would argue post-workout fuel is the number one meal of the day. It beats, even beats breakfast in my book, just because our muscles are sponges. So anything we take in within an hour of exercise is so, so important. Another thing I talk about is hydration. Like I, I have a goal and work with my athletes to have the goal of just drink a glass of water every day. Hydration plays a key aspect in everyday well-being, but also in performance because we sweat so much. <laughs> Those are really good. Yeah. Those are good keys. Yeah, I hear a lot about pre and post nutrition. Um, I'm wondering, I think this is something that maybe this is more of a personal question, but I've heard like the four to one carb to protein ratio debated, like, is it four to one? Is it three to one? Do you mind kind of myth busting or sort of laying out the fundamentals of pre and post nutrition? Yeah, I mean, that you almost start to overthink things when you think Probably. of like the numbers. So <laughs> yeah. it's almost just having a carb and having a protein and putting those yep. together and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Like don't do, you don't have to do the math of grams, but like peanut yep. butter and jelly sandwich, chocolate milk, smoothies, rice and chicken, tofu and chick or tofu and rice, like combining that carb and protein you'll be totally fine. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a myth, but it's not something you have to religiously track and monitor. Yeah. Yeah. That's really helpful. And whatever you have an appetite for. So tapping into True. like, you might not 
feel like eating uh, right after a workout, but maybe liquids are the way to go. So having that smoothie or chocolate mm-hmm. milk. Yeah, most definitely. When it comes to pre-workout nutrition, do you have any tips, especially I hear a lot from runners on like upset stomachs or GI distress on, you know, how to find what fuel works for you aside from just trial and error. Are there any uh, pieces of advice you give there? Yeah. And I'd say that is one of my nutrition principles is trial and error. You have to be your own guinea pig and see what works for you. And paying attention to how foods make you feel throughout the day and through workouts. So just because your friend is doing it or it's what the elite athletes are doing, it's not necessarily going to work for you. So if you try oatmeal, but you go to the bathroom six times during a run, maybe let's not go for oatmeal, but try something a little simpler. So simple, we think of like, the healthy grains, we want to have whole grains, but as athletes, sometimes we need the simpler stuff like white bread, white rice, um, and not the hearty grains, because that's going to get us to go to the bathroom a little bit more. Um, And thinking of like bananas versus orange juice and oranges, bananas have different types of carbohydrates. So it's not going to cause that GI distress versus just like simply an orange could actually cause some more GI distress. Interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. So it sounds like bananas are one. Are there any other go-to staples that you personally like or that a lot of the athletes you work with tend to gravitate towards for like, you know, pre-run go-tos or even intra-run like during the run? Yeah, like dried cereal is always an easy one. Um, Simple oatmeal works for some people. So like simple oatmeal or oatmeal packets. Um, pretzels, dried fruit, the, of course, the commercial products like gels, chews. I'm a waffle. I love my waffles. Those are my oh, go-to. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And hydrate when, and liquids. Yeah. Too. Liquids are big. When it comes to the day before, um, we had a question come through about like how much does our And I can say this from personal experience too, you know, you go for a run and like, sometimes I think it's not necessarily what I ate just before that, but sometimes the night before you're like, Ooh, I don't feel so hot because of my fuel, or maybe I didn't feel enough the night before for dinner. How much does someone's like dinner affect a morning runner or maybe like breakfast and lunch affecting an evening runner? You know, if we're talking like eight to 12 hours, you know, is that something we need to be considerate of? Yeah, I would consider the 24 hours before a run. Like I have an athlete who really cannot eat a lot of vegetables and a lot of fiber the night before a long run because she will go to the bathroom quite a bit. So it's simplifying that meal, even though it is 12 hours before her run. But it's again trial trial and error like you said (laughs) knowing who you are and um even writing things down like what did you eat for dinner and then you ran how did it feel did you actually feel energized okay tired and then tweaking things from there yeah I'm totally going off the cusp but I was gonna say um a lot of runners it seems like are going gluten-free dairy-free are you seeing that like celiac is just increasing or our runners, is it maybe stress-related, you know, race day nerves that can interfere with our stomachs and, and that um, regard? Yeah, intolerances and GI issues are definitely a challenge I see from a 
dietitian perspective, like it's such a mystery to me of like what can be causing this. Uh, it could be an intolerance. Stress is a big one. So just meditating or journaling and underfueling is a big oh, yeah. factor in GI um, issues as well. With yeah, let's talk about that. Underfueling. Um, I know you talk a little bit about, or probably a lot to runners about red S and the dangers of underfueling. Um, what are some of the, maybe the most common questions or problems you can see? Like, how does this, how can this be sneaky too? Because a lot of people probably don't even know if they're feeling enough, right? How can someone know? Yeah, I, from a personal experience in high school, when I switched from soccer to running, I, I probably did experience red ass because I didn't understand how much more energy you burn from running eight miles versus playing soccer, even though you do burn a lot of energy. So a lot of times it could be unintentional. You just don't know how much your body needs until it starts to tell you. Um, so signs of is one losing your period as a female is a big one being hungry all the time so not listening to your hunger levels uh, being tired all the time and a lot of these things I think people think okay this is normal I'm working a ton I'm running a ton uh, but simply it can just be you're not fueling enough maybe you're not sleeping enough but it could come down to that fueling component yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it can be tricky to uncover sometimes and figure out. Yeah. Especially, yeah. like I said, I have a lot of experience with non-runners and I mm -hmm. saw it all the time with male athletes, football players, hockey players, not just those endurance athletes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another topic that we often see questions come in on is like the concept of intuitive eating and how to balance this with performance nutrition. And like you had said earlier, sometimes we're eating when we're not hungry or we should, should be, I guess, um, even eating if we're not hungry, just to make sure we're getting enough, but how can someone maintain that balance between you know, following hunger cues and also knowing that they may be blunted following activity? Yeah, I would say in the book into, I'm a huge reader, the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch changed my life from a dietitian perspective, a running perspective, and also just a human being being attacked by diet culture everywhere you look. Um, so first I would recommend reading that book um, and how it comes into play with into it with performance nutrition is kind of how I'm piecing it together, being trying to be both. Um, and it's paying attention to your hunger, but also understanding that fueling three to four hours is also key. So really whatever comes first is how I talk about it with athletes. Um, so every three to four hours, we can get a little low blood sugar, maybe get a little grumpy and angry. So fueling is important or when we get, um, have that hunger feeling. Another thing is listening to your body, paying attention to how foods make you feel, which we talked about. And then as runners and athletes, changing your why around working out, like why are you running? Are you running just to burn energy so you can eat more or are you running and moving because you love it and because you have a goal in mind. 
That's a big one for sure. I think yeah. that's a good question to be asking. Um, food rules. Food rules. Oh, yes. Yeah. The food rules and not many things make me cringe with nutrition. I'm very open-minded, but I do question everything. But cheat days and good or bad foods just like make me <laughs> sob my head inside. So sad. removing yeah. those from your vocabulary is very important. All food fits. Enjoying your favorite foods is so important. Yes. Yes. There's so much to be changed around those. And how are you seeing the running industry and or just nutrition industry change, you know, coming into dietetics years ago? Um, not that you're that old, but I know that even when I was in school, I'm seeing things start to shift a little bit. Are there any shifts you're noticing and kind of ways we're headed? I mean, in education, we are taught healthy foods, like healthy weight loss, reduce the risk of obesity, diabetes. We are never really taught much counseling and much behavior change in college. And I think hopefully that's increasing in academia, but I know from practice, that's all I do is a lot of counseling, behavior changing, making like, why are they there to see me and what do they want to change? Um, which we didn't really get much of that in education. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I uh, just know from personal experience that kind of deterred me away from the field too, was knowing that that piece was really missing. Um, but taking this course, I, I think I took a course on eating disorders in college for new related to nutrition. And that was so life-changing, but it was also like, but we need this for everyone, not just those with eating disorders, because mm -hmm. you don't know how easily someone can head down that path. From, yeah. And especially yeah. with red S to reduce that, it is that education component yeah. of educating coaches, teachers, parents, the athletes, peers, administrators of what it is, because there's not much awareness on it. And if we know the signs and symptoms and to get away from this thin ideal, we're not going to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So key. Um, so I wanted to know if, uh, let's see, I have so many more questions, but we have a lot to cover on this episode. So we are going to shift a little bit away from nutrition, but before that, I wanted to highlight too, that you were the team dietitian or community RD with Chosky Endurance. And um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about Chosky and how you got involved. Yeah. So Chosky was something I came across Maggie Fox, who's a coach with Chosky reached out and was like, Hey, Tyler Andrew wants to bring up, bring nutrition into the collective. And so I was like, great, let's have a conversation. So we had a conversation and like, it was like lights went off and I was like, this is for me. I am all about like surrounding myself with people who know more than me and like learning like a sponge, like absorbing everything like a sponge. And that's what Chosky is. It's like, it's more than just coaching and the coach and athlete. It's so much more a community and a collective of just all these brilliant minds together that could like be stranded on an island and do okay. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Yeah, that's exactly what drew me to be a coach with Chosky as well. So I, it's hard to describe, I guess it's a community, it's a collective, there are coaches, there are RDs, we have some physical therapists or at least one, Sue. Um, 
mindset, you know, nutrition. We just have a lot of topics I think that are well covered and discussed. Um, and it seems like almost every night of the week, at least out of a weekday, even on some Sundays, there's some kind of video or virtual thing happening. And then I know you're going to be at the Chosky team retreat this summer. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, so that's exciting too. Good to hear. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, we sure hope we're back uh, soon to safe events. So I wanted to highlight there too, when it comes to Chosky, one of the things that is offered and it's happening tonight as we're speaking is a, a strength training class for runners. And as a runner, you've talked about the importance of strength. You have your CSCS, which is a great um, certified strength and conditioning specialist for those listening. And um, so I'd love to know, Carolyn, how you became passionate about strength training and decided to pursue your CSCS and then how you kind of incorporate strength into your running. Yeah. So through my internship at UMass Amherst, I realized, okay, general population isn't for me. So how can I continue my education into performance nutrition? So I reached out to Springfield College who, which is like the Mecca of strength and conditioning and actually got my master's in exercise science with a concentration in strength and conditioning. So that program was life-changing in that it was all applied. So what I was missing from my nutrition education was this applied aspect, like the counseling. We don't learn that eating disorder counseling unless you take a specific class, but Springfield College was so applied and I was able to work with a ton of coaches athletic trainers and athletes, of course. Um, so ultimately it was a requirement to get my CSCS through that uh, program. But it's one thing I wish, I wish I valued the importance of strength training in high school and even early on in college. Cause as soon as I started strength training, especially correctly, knock on wood, I have not seen an injury and it's, it's cross training too. So I also love, I love pool running. I got an elliptigo, so I love ellipticaling. And so it's combining all those things does make you a healthier, stronger, more sustainable runner for sure. Absolutely. Can't say it enough. Thinking about pursuing my CSCS, it just seems like a great certification. And for anyone listening that's interested in like coaching a team or, you know, just learning more about strength and conditioning and how it applies to sport, I think that's a great cert to pursue or a great route to go down. And uh, yeah, can definitely attest to that. I had a um, former USA rugby player as my strength coach in college, which totally changed my perception of strength. And it was just awesome to have that perspective of like, yes, getting strong should be celebrated. And it's awesome to be a strong and durable runner. So, and as long as we're still running, we're not going to get bulky. We're not going to become muscle women and men. <laughs> it's all about yeah. balance. I think that's a misconception out there. Yes, I know. Yeah, definitely. If you're, if you're strength training, like one to three days a week, full, usually I hear full body routines, but however you split it up and you're still running, like you're really, unless you're trying to train for powerlifting or something, uh, I think you're still going to pertain or still improve your running at the end of the day. So I think that's a great uh, piece of advice too. Um, so another piece of 
also along the lines of like injury prevention and the work that you do. I don't know how you do it all now. I'm listening to you're an RD or a Chosky strength and conditioning, and you work at a running shoe store. So um, I am curious what your favorite shoes are and why, and also any advice for runners on finding the best shoe for them. Yeah. So the best running shoe is like someone asked me what the best diet is. It's an impossible question for (laughs) me. I, I try them all. I get a lot of, I'm very fortunate to get a lot of shoes to try and run in. I am moving more towards like the minimal lower heel to toe drop wide toe box, just because I have a couple bunions. So the wide toe box very suits my feet. Well, not saying that would work for everyone. Um, but it's overwhelming. If you go into, go on, even online or go into a store, there are 20 to 30 to 50 pairs of shoes out there. I would highly recommend going to a run specialty store and getting fit for a shoe. Um, silver lining of the pandemic is a lot of local running stores are doing virtual fits. So you can just do it from the comfort of your own home, be fit. And of course you don't have to buy something right there. It's more getting the knowledge from those, um, those run specialty, uh, fit specialists or whatever you want to call them because they do go, some stores do go through training, um, to actually watch people's gate and listen to your stories. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's a great point to or place to start. Um, I was going to ask with zero drop, do you happen to run in ultras at all? I do. I did. I didn't know I should mention a brand, but yes, I have ultras. Oh, you feel free. I love ultra. Although I will say I have to be careful because yes, they, the zero drop, like when you first get into them and especially if you're doing like a hundred percent of your training in them, I don't know if I'd recommend that. Um, personally, I try to have some sort of split. I don't know if it's 50, 50 or 70, 30, but, um, most of my trainings in ultras, but I kind of alternate with Hoka or like, that, and that's a great yeah. point is alternating between shoes. One, the shoes will last longer, but your body will be adjusting and doing different things, strengthening different muscles in different shoes. So I have ultra and topo is a okay. Local yeah. I hear a lot about topo company. Yeah. I have some Hoka's. Mm-hmm. I pretty much have every brand. Nice. Get a full, full array. It sounds like a well-balanced, uh, I don't want to say the word diet, but like eating palate, I guess. It's similar. It's (laughs) so similar. Yeah. 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 So true. You don't want to stick to just one shoe, just like you don't want to stick to one food all the time. So cool. I love it. Um, that's a great, I think great piece to start. You talked minimalist there too. What are your thoughts on shoes? Like, I know there was a barefoot running craze for a while, you know, maybe like some barefoot strides. Sometimes I hear like to strengthen your feet, you know, maybe do some barefoot strides, but probably not go run a marathon barefoot on pavement. Um, do you do any kind of barefoot running to that extent? Not much running. I do lift barefoot or with socks, depending on where I am running wise, running on trails. It's hard to run barefoot. I'm bad about strides, so I don't do strides. But for athletes, I would recommend doing strides barefoot in the grass Mm -hmm. or on a soft surface. I think a like minimalist is kind of going away. I probably used the wrong term there. It's more just 
I don't even know what term they're using because minimalist, you do think barefoot, but these shoes, they're minimal in a drop, but they still have a ton of cushioning under your feet. Yeah. Um, More like level, like ground level or yeah. Yeah. I know. I should should know this. (laughs) (laughs) Specific terms. Cool. So if someone wants to reach out, they might, I don't know, have a question about shoe fittings Mm -hmm. and then as an RD, I was going to ask, are you also taking um, clients? Like, do you see clients virtually? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's all telehealth now, yeah. pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I do yeah. take athletes cool. now. When it comes to your own journey, your own running journey, um, what does your year look like for this next year or two? Do you have any big goals or, you know, races you're, you're focused on? Yeah. So I, after college, I didn't, I, I think I didn't take the break after college that I should have and just started running for a local running team, raced a ton and kind of saw some burnout. And it's kind of like, I hate running. Why am I doing this when I don't have to? Um, but I think finding the trails again, this was probably a couple of years ago, I started running. I am a weekend warrior. So I will be one to just run like one or two times a week, but it'd be like, <laughs> eight to 15 miles Um, on the calendar. I have um, someone I know has been running a ton of miles. He's doing the Arizona trail FKT and he's inspired me that I think I'm going to run 30 miles just because with my dad on April 24th. So that is on the calendar in a few nice. We both have big April 24th races. I have a 50K that day. So oh, yay. We'll do yay. one together. Mine will just be yeah. on my favorite trails, but okay, we'll fine. Do it virtually together. There we go. Yeah. Mine's uh, like 11,000 feet of elevation gain. So it's going to be a lot of hiking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mine yeah. won't be that much. It'll be elevation. fun. Maybe like I was going to ask, if is it hard to find elevation out there or do you have quite a bit around you? I mean, elevation on the East Coast is not elevation like the West Coast. <laughs> not uh, quite. It's hilly, yeah. but we're not at elevation. Okay. I've seen some races, though, that are pretty steep out in uh, New Hampshire and Vermont. So looks like there's some mountain running championships occasionally yeah, out your way. Definitely. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, kind of looking back, like I wanted to wrap up here, looking back on your younger self, like when you first got into running, um, is there any advice that you'd give yourself? I would say don't just run and lift, hike, swim, elliptical. I think when I switched from soccer to running, a little bit of me wishes I played a little bit of soccer still. Uh, I think sports specialization is becoming an issue in younger kids, Mm -hmm. high schoolers even, going through puberty. And it's so important from a mental health standpoint to do a lot of different things and a physical standpoint to do a lot of different things. Like I didn't lift in high school. I didn't swim until I got hurt and I didn't elliptical or cross train at all. Yeah. Good words of wisdom. I think you and Kelsey could talk about sports specialization or anti-specialization all day. She mentions that quite a bit. So it's good to hear some advocates out there. Um, So a couple more questions. Uh, What does being a strong runner chick mean to you when you think about that? I know this, 
I read a ton of books. So like piecing all everything I learned from books to create my own answer to this question was like, hmm, what does strong mean? And what does being a strong runner chick mean? I would say it is someone who knows what they want and is true to who they are and tries no matter what. And so if the worst happens, know what you can control and what you can't control, like find solutions to that challenge, to that problem. And I don't know who said it, but I probably read it somewhere is like, the worst usually brings out the best in us and everyone's worst is different. Mm -hmm. And I know for those that I look up to also, it's those who can um, balance life, running, social, emotional work and all those things. All the things. Yeah. Those, that's I think the that's yeah, great definition. I love yeah. that. Do you have any favorite reads? You mentioned some books there. I know Intuitive Eating. I love that one. Any others that you're really into? I'd say from an author standpoint, I love Brene Brown mm -hmm. and Edith Edgar. I'm reading one of her books now. Um, Bravey from Alexi Pappas. Yes. Uh, yeah. Great. And th these are all the books I like just finished reading. Um, yeah, there's so many. Yeah, I love it. They're fresh in your mind. <laughs> yes, so, those are the fresh yeah, ones. Relevant for running. I also read like uh, warfighter books and like <laughs> doctor books. So I'm all there over you the go. place sometimes. You got it all. I yeah. like my nonfiction. Yeah, good to have have it all down. Um, so lastly, how can listeners reach out to connect or work with you? What's the best way? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. CA Stalker underscore RD. I do have a website, carolynstockerperformance.com. And then email is carolyn at chosky.run. You can email me that way. Thanks, Carolyn. Yes, yeah. Awesome you. to have you on. Yeah. Any final like shout outs or things you want to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? Ooh. It's always a tough one. My lasting words of wisdom. <laughs> is, Imparting words of wisdom. Yeah. I'd say something I live by every day is appreciate the value of time, live in the moment. Always. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the show. It was a joy to chat with you. All right. Thanks, Strong Runner Chicks, for tuning in to another episode of SRC Radio. Hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.